Zipper rolls out to the right, pitches off to Taylor, and Taylor's to the 20. Down to the 15, down to the 10, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Billy Taylor scored a touchdown from 21 yards out. The crowd goes berserk. It was November 22nd, 1969 that they came to Barry, Michigan, all dressed in maize and blue. The words were said, the prayers were read, and everybody cried. But when they closed the coffin, there was someone else inside. Oh, they came to Barry, Michigan, but Michigan wasn't dead. And when the game was over, it was someone else instead. Eleven Michigan Wolverines put on the gloves of gray, and as the organ played the victors, they laid Woody Hayes away. Under center is Wangler at the 45. He goes back. He's looking for a receiver. He throws downfield to fire. Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. On this week's visitor segment, my guest is Maryland Hall of Fame play-by-play voice Johnny Holiday. He has been the voice of Terrapin football and basketball for over 40 years. He is also the TV pre- and post-game host for the Washington Nationals. Before he joins us, let's get it started with my view from Section 17. Before the season started, I had Maryland on my calendar as a win. I still think we will beat them on Saturday, but now I think we are in for a fight. DJ Durkin might not be on the sidelines, but he has three top 30 recruiting classes to his credit and a lot of young talent on this team. This is a better team than we played last year in College Park, especially on defense. They rank number 15 in the country in yards allowed per game. As you heard me mention on Tuesday's show, I'm not sure if we're just a good football team or one ready to turn the corner, put it together, and make a run in the East. One thing is certain, we're going to have a fight on our hands this Saturday. But if we clean up the penalties, don't start slow. I think we have too much for the Terrapins to deal with. Uh, Once again, a lot of us are still not sure how good we are. And you know, that's not being negative about this team. It's just that through five games, we haven't seen anything that would lead us to believe we have what it takes to contend in the East. But that's what I want to see Saturday. A team that makes me believe we might be in for a fun ride the rest of the way. Johnny Holiday has been in the booth again for over 40 years doing play-by-play for Maryland. He's seen the good, the bad, and the ugly of Maryland football. He likes D.J. Durkin and says the team we'll see on Saturday is the most talented group at Maryland since the Bobby Ross days in the 80s. And those were some pretty darn good teams. Radio legend Johnny Holiday joins me next here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew.
Here with us on our visitor segment this week as we get ready for a visit from Maryland is the Hall of Fame radio voice of Maryland football and basketball, Johnny Holiday. Once again, Johnny, it's great to have you back on the show this year. Well, thank you, Mike. It's a pleasure to be with you as always. I just hope one of these days, somehow, some way, that Maryland can knock off Michigan. It's only happened one time, <laughs> and I think it's long overdue, but it's always great to be with you. Well, thank you, Johnny. Uh, it's been such a, an interesting uh, year for Maryland football and the fans. Uh, you know, when Maryland football is mentioned these days, I'm sure most Terps fans would would like the conversation to be about what a very good start to the season it's been. But we've got the investigation going on over uh, the Jordan McNair story, which is so tragic. That's really uh, been forefront in the news when you talk about Maryland football, hasn't it, Johnny? Well, you know, and it's unfortunate, Mike, that that's that's the way it's going to be when mm-hmm. you when a young guy loses his life because of a heat stroke. Right. As Jordan McNair did, that's that's headlines, and it's been a tragic, tragic situation. Everybody admits that and knows that. And even Matt Canada, the interim head coach, when he took over, he didn't ask for this job. He came to Maryland in January to become the offensive coordinator and the quarterback coach, and he was thrust into this job when DJ Durkin was put on administrative leave, which he is still on today. We're still waiting to see how that plays out. And Matt Cattle has said in the first game we played this year against Texas, uh, nothing is nothing as important for football right now as it was in losing Jordan McNair's life due to a heat stroke. And you can never, you can never, ever overlook that, nor will they, uh, dedicating the entire season in his memory the games, they wear number 79 on their helmets. They come out with a flag with number 79 on it. That's the number that Jordan wore. And as you just mentioned at the, at the beginning of our conversation, it's unfortunate that that is the first thing that pops in the mind. The environment of Maryland football, the loss of a young man's life that you cannot take, you can't get that back. And football all of a sudden becomes secondary. And I am really absolutely amazed and just so proud of the way these kids have been able to fight through all that and to they will never ever forget their teammate every player deals with grief in a different way Mm -hmm. and these players have done exactly the same thing i expected them fully to go out against texas they could have gone one of two ways you could lay down and and lose the game get just absolutely crushed you could rise up and and knock them off, and that's exactly what they did. So I'm amazed how difficult it has to be for these young kids on this team to focus on playing games week in, week out, with heavy hearts and with memories of their teammate so much in the forefront that football becomes secondary, really. Well, as you mentioned, Johnny, Matt Canada is the interim head coach, and from all accounts, I mean, obviously he has done a great job of keeping the staff and the players focused on football, hasn't he? Well, you know, and that's, I can't imagine how difficult that must be, Mike, mm-hmm. that for what he has to endure and go through and pick up the pieces, so to speak. And, you know, as he, he continually reminds me and everybody else, I'm only the interim. I'm not the head coach. I am the interim head coach of this football team. And I'm an offensive guy. I'm not a defensive guy. <laughs> he made a comment after the first game. I don't even know 
I, I mean, I don't, I know them by their numbers, but I and their and their faces. But sometimes I don't know who these defensive guys are because <laughs> all I've done all my life is coordinate an offense and be a quarterback coach. But he's done a fabulous job. This team should be really four and zero, and they're three and one, having been upset by Temple that just came down, and that was a kind of a trap game that you come off two a three high. High, two high-profile wins, and then all of a sudden, you got Temple who'd lost three games in a row, and they just, you know, waxed us all over the field in that game. But he's done, as you mentioned, he's done a, a phenomenal job to get this team to three and one. And uh, you know, but nothing, nothing compares with what they played in the past. Maybe Texas to what they'll face against Michigan. It'll be a very good test. Well, let's talk about this Maryland football team we're going to see Saturday uh, in Ann Arbor, Johnny. Kasim Hill won the starting job at quarterback. I think everyone remembers last year it was just one quarterback after another going down for the Terrapins, and he was out, and he did battle with uh, Terrell Pigram this year for the starting job. And Kasim's off to a nice start. No one has really seen much of him yet up here. Can you tell us what kind of a quarterback he is, what he brings to the offense? Well, I think the difference in, in Kasim and Terrell Pigram, who's the other quarterback, mm-hmm. is the fact that Pigram comes in, you know he's going to probably run the ball more than he's going to throw the ball. But Kasim can do both. He can run, he can throw, he's 6'2", about 230, 235. And as you mentioned, he, he went down without a kid. ACL last year, Pigram went down with the ACL last year. We lost five quarterbacks. <laughs> And it was down to a couple of walk-ons. It was it was almost like a comedy of errors. But he's fully healthy now, and he had gone. I think he'd thrown 84, 85 consecutive passes before he had his first interception. And he's a kid that's steady. Uh, he really commands the huddle. He he runs the offense so well. They have so much confidence in him. And, you know, you hear the words tossed about about a leader here and a leader there. Mm-hmm. He is really a leader as far as the quarterbacks are concerned. And he won the job legitimately from uh, Terrell Pegram. And it was a good battle all summer long to see who the quarterback was going to be. And he proved that he's the guy for the job. He's not flashy. He's not sensational. But I think he's very, very steady quarterback. I've seen his numbers are pretty good throwing the football. And you said, Terrell, when he's in, you know he's going to run. Is Kasim pretty good with his feet running? I don't think he runs as much as as he would like to. Maybe it's because you're still thinking about that injury. I don't know. When you have an ACL, you're reluctant to take some hits. And he's taken some hits this year, and he pops right back up. And I think that maybe is, is in the back of his mind that... You know, I remember last year what happened. I don't, I don't want that to happen again. So maybe sometimes he's reluctant. There have been a few games and a few situations where I think he could have probably taken off and run for some yardage. Instead, he unloads it. And But that's, you know, that's his decision. Uh, he can run if he has to. I think he would prefer to be in the pocket and sprint out. I think he's a little bit more effective that way. Uh, running is not his forte, but I think he can if, he, if he's forced to. And I think as the season goes along and, and he gets more comfortable and probably takes more hits on that leg, you'll, you'll find him running the football much, much more. Well, behind him, uh, running back Lorenzo Harrison the third out for the season. Uh, yeah, that's a tough yeah, loss too, that's, Mike. That's terrible. I, I, I haven't been able to see much of him, but I liked what I saw. But the two guys getting the carries behind him, Johnny, senior Ty Johnson, redshirt freshman Anthony McFarland, they put up some pretty nice numbers so far, too. 
both these guys against Minnesota had 100 yards rushing. Yeah, yeah. I think Ty had about 120, 223, and McFarland had his first 100-yard game. And, you know, neither one of these guys are big, big, strong running backs. I think Anthony, maybe, he might be 5'8", but he goes 190. Redshirt freshman, he played down the street at DeMatha Catholic, mm-hmm. and he's averaged about nine yards a carry, and he is a tough, tough kid. Ty Johnson's in the Maryland record books, a kid from Cumberland, Maryland. He's only about 5'10", but he goes 2'10", 2'12". He's in the all-time top 10 in Maryland in rushing. He's got nine, he's got, he's got 10 now, 10 100-yard games in his career, and I think he's even number five or six all-time in the Maryland record books, an all-purpose yardage. And this kid is tough. He is hes solid. Uh, hes I mean, he can do it all. He can catch. He can run the ball. He's got power. He's got speed. Once he gets into secondary, very few defensive backs are going to run him down. He's, he's terrific. But the loss of Harrison is going to be a big loss for the rest of the season. And one other kid they've got in there, as well as McFarland and, and Johnson, Mike, is Teon Fleet Davis. He's a sophomore mm-hmm. from Oxon Hill, Maryland. And he's about 5'11", 5'10", 5'11", 220, 225. And he, uh, I mean, he's had a, he's had a couple of great games, and he's just a terrific, terrific young guy. And I think he's probably been the surprise of all the, all the running backs so far that they've had out there this year. And I think he'll, he'll step up and fill the gap vacated by Harrison. And then Javon Leak, if necessary, he's another running back that can, can get in the mix a little bit. But the top three guys would be Johnson and McFarlane and the Teon Fleet Davis. The running back situation is pretty good. They're, there's depth there, and they're putting up good numbers. Let's talk about their receiving core for a minute, Johnny. Uh, led by uh, Tavon Jacobs with 12 catches. DJ Turner has 11 grabs. Then there's a real drop off. I mean, there is no DJ Moore uh, on in the receiving court this year, is there? No, there's not. But the one kid you, you got to look out for, I think the Michigan fans will enjoy this kid. He's a freshman from down in Florida named John Jeshawn G- G- Jones, uh, about 6'2", 190, 195. And he scored three touchdowns the first game of the season against Texas. In fact, not only three touchdowns, the first three times he touched the ball. <laughs> He ran for one, he caught a pass, and he threw for another. And the first three times as a freshman, and that doesn't happen very, very often, and he's got tremendous, tremendous speed and ability, even though he's only a freshman. But the leading receivers, you just mentioned about Tavon Jacobs, who's the top guy, and right behind him, D.J. Turner. And then you kind of, it's like hit or miss the rest of the guy. A lot of young guys, a lot of freshmen. Dante Demas is a freshman. Darrell Jones is a freshman. Brian Cobbs is a freshman. Then you've got a senior named Jarvis Davenport who comes in from time to time. But the key guy would be Tavon Jacobs, and, and, the, and the second leading receiver, as you mentioned, would be DJ, DJ Turner. Well, as we've said, the offense has been really, really good so far this year, and a lot of that has to do with the, the veteran offensive line, which has been bunged up a bit here and there, but they've been very good this year, haven't they, Johnny? Yeah, they have. They, they've been very good, Mike, and they, they're experienced, and we're finally going to get two tackles back because Derwin Gray's been hurt. Uh, and also Terrence Davis has been hurt. And that's meant you have to kind of shuffle things around a little bit. Marcus Minor, who's been a backup tackle, started the last game. He got nicked up against Minnesota. And Brendan Moore has been moved over. He's the starting center the last three years. He's moved over to right guard in place of uh, uh, Terrence Davis. But now 
the, the problem there, Johnny Jordan, a young uh, sophomore from Gonzaga College High School here in Washington, has been the starting center this year. So what's going to happen when Davis comes back is anybody's guess. Because Moore, <coughs> excuse me, had, you, had been your starting center for the past three years, and what's going to happen to him? Then you've got Damian Prince, who was out with an injury. Uh, and Can he play again against Michigan? Is anybody's guess? We hope so. And he's backed up by another big kid, a junior from uh, up in uh, you know, Pennsylvania named Ellis McKinney. And Ellis McKinney just happens to be one of the closest – was one of the closest friends of Jordan McNair when they both went to school at McDonough in Baltimore. Sean Christie is a very solid, solid uh, offensive lineman at left guard. So they've got the they got the experience, but they got guys nicked up and banged up a little bit. So you kind of like don't know exactly who's going to start against Michigan until they get out there after that uh, opening kickoff. Well, you've been around Maryland football a long time, Johnny, but it just looks and sounds right now like there is a lot of talent on this offense. Young, but a lot of it. Yeah, and, and, you know, I think they can they can only get better too, Mike. They've you, know, you start off with a huge, huge win over Texas. You mm. beat them, then you go to Bowling Green, and Bowling Green uh, was not a strong, formidable opponent that particular night. Then you come back and you lose to Temple. Then you come right back and then you blow out a Minnesota team that had been undefeated. Mm -hmm. So I think the jury is still out a little bit about exactly how good is this team. Is it the team that showed up against Minnesota or is it the team that showed up against Temple? (laughs) Uh, Right now, I mean, those two games were like night and day. So I'll take the one we saw last Saturday when they beat Minnesota. Well, over on the other side of the ball, Johnny, the Terrapin defense ranked 15th in the nation in the yards allowed per game. So they look to be much better than last year's unit. Well, they've got, I think they've got a veteran, a veteran up, three guys up front at NB Tanya. Uh, Adam McLean was the nose tackle. He missed the game against Minnesota because he got banged up. And then Byron Cowart transferred to Maryland, and and he is uh, from Auburn, and he is absolutely terrific. A junior defensive end at 6'4", 295, uh, 11 tackles and a sack going into the Minnesota game. MB Tanyi is a solid defensive tackle as well. And they got some good backups like Brent Coca and Kieran Howard. And the linebackers are probably the strength, I think, of this team with Brooks and Jesse Annabonum. Annabonum got hurt in the Texas game last year and missed the entire season. And he is a welcome addition back. And then Isaiah Davis at the Mike linebacker spot is one of the tougher, tougher kids in this team. His brother, Sean Davis, with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And then another transfer came in in grad school, and that's Trey Watson. He transferred into Maryland from Illinois. So you got Coward at defensive end, transferred from Auburn. you got Watson at the outside linebacker spot, transferred from Illinois. In the secondary, you got Marcus Lewis, a transfer from Florida State. All these guys are, are starting now. And along with Lewis, you got Richardson and Darnell Savage, who may be the best of the group. And I think probably, if you're talking about an All-American safety, this may be one of the best, best kids in the country. 5'11", 200-pound senior. So you've got a lot of leadership out there in that secondary. you got a junior uh, in, in Lewis. you got a junior in Richardson. you got Savage, a senior. And you got Tino Ellis in the other cornerback spot, and he's a junior. And I think the, the defense last year gave up so many yards, mm-hmm. uh, rushing and passing. And I think the defensive coordinators have made it a point that we have to get better. We cannot 
be run against like we were last year and thrown against because all that does is spell loss after loss after loss. But they've shown so far in these first four games, they, they are much, much better than they were last year. Well, you know, with a 3-1 and one start, Johnny, you'd think the fan base would be jumping on board to support this team. But I was reading in the uh, the Baltimore Sun over the weekend that attendance uh, at the home games has not been good. Is the fan base just, you know, sort of fed up with what's going on around the program? Why is there does there seem not to be a lot of interest? Well, you know, Mike, it's it's been like this for a couple of years. It's not just this year because of what happened in, in back in June. It's mm-hmm. It's been very difficult. I mean, some of the games are not marquee games. Granted, if Michigan comes to town, it's going to be sold out. If Ohio State comes to town, it's going to be the same thing. Or Penn State. I think it depends upon the teams that you're playing. Now, for the Minnesota game, I think we had about 30, 30 30-something thousand fans, and that's okay. But the problem is with football, they've had so many down years that, you know, you lose some of those fans and it's tough to get them back. But I've always said if you win games, they're going to come. They will come eventually. It may take them time, but I think they're going to like what they see when they come out to one of these games. they got a good young team with... Uh, you know, a terrific staff that's working with these kids. So I think it's just a matter of time as you look at the schedule ahead. You've got Rutgers coming in after the Michigan game. Well, they're going to bring some people down from New Jersey, but that's not going to be a marquee game. Illinois will be the same thing. The Michigan State's going to pack them in. Ohio State's going to pack them in this year. And if Michigan was playing here as they did last year, it'd be the same thing. You'd have 45,000, 50,000. You know, Capital One Field at Maryland Stadium only holds 51,000 people. Mm-hmm. It's not like, uh, you know, your place up there, you're going to have 100,000 every game. But I think they're working to get back the way it used to be. And I remember when Bobby Ross was, was coaching here uh, back in the 80s, every game was 50,000 people. There was no tickets available. And every year they're going to bowl games. And every year they're in the top 20, 25 in the country. Well, that hasn't happened in a long time. They're trying to get back to that particular situation again. And if you, as I said, if you win, they're going to come. It may take some time. And it's happened in basketball. I mean, this is a basketball school. I mean, you come to basketball games packed all the time. And I think in due time, if they keep winning and keep winning in convincing fashion, uh, they're going to be okay, and the fans will start coming back. Well, I'm thinking a win over a ranked Big Ten team would sure help. I think most observers here in Michigan and around the conference think this Maryland team is going to give Michigan everything it wants and more this Saturday. This is setting up to be a really interesting game, Johnny. Well, I think the thing that the, the, these kids are looking forward to, they've had a week off now. This is the bye week for Maryland. Mm-hmm. They've had a week off, and I'm sure they all are glued to the television sets watching Michigan squeak past Northwestern 2017 with those, you know, 20 unanswered points. And they're probably thinking, well, we can, we can go up there. We can compete with these guys. But they take nothing away from Jim Harbaugh coach teams. I mean, you're four and one, you're two and oh in the Big Ten, and you know, you, you won a game the other day. I don't think Chris Evans played against Northwestern, did he? No, he did not. Yeah, and he, what, Higgins had a hundred and, hundred yards mm-hmm. rushing, and, and Patterson's getting better as a quarterback, and the defense, my goodness, you got, you know, what, what they give up, 28 yards rushing, something like that. <laughs> So I don't think I don't think these kids are going there saying, "Oh, this is going to be a cakewalk." You know, we're going to roll past Michigan. It doesn't work that way. They've won one game, you know, in seven meetings. So it's uh, 
it'll be a big test, but I think it's always it's always a good game when you play Michigan. And it's always a thrill to come there and play in Ann Arbor before those fans. I think those fans are, are some of the best in the country. We don't know right now how the situation with Coach Durkin and the investigation is going to turn out. One thing we do know, he has upgraded the talent big time in his three years there. Another good recruiting class looks to be on the way. We don't know how that's going to turn out. But if DJ doesn't come back, that means here we go again, sort of starting all over. That would be another huge setback for the program, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would be. And right now they've lost no recruits. Nobody has changed their mind. And DJ Durkin has done a terrific job. He's got he's got the fan base slowly coming back. He he coaches with passion. He coaches with enthusiasm. The players uh, love him. Uh, you know they they go out there and, and bust their tails for him. And it's it's so sad that he was on administrative leave when we played at Bowling Green because that's where he played. That's where he got his first coaching job as a grad assistant at, at Bowling Green, and they had a big a big weekend plan for him and his family and that's that's the sad thing about it but to show you how classy dj is even though he's been an administrator believe and i've texted him a couple of times and congratulated him on because these are his kids that are playing right now mm-hmm. and how well they played against texas how well they they did against minnesota and how much he was missed at bowling green and we lost to one of our big boosters wives about two weeks ago and at a funeral for her, and D.J. Durkin, in one of his rare appearances out in public uh, since being an administrative leave, shows up at that funeral. And that's that's the kind of classy guy he is. And and I think we're all waiting. We're all hoping for the best. I don't know what's going to happen. And uh, we'll just have to see, and, and time will tell. But I hope it all works out good for him, and, and uh, hopefully he'll be back. It's his team. Uh, Canada is the interim coach. He knows that. He understands that. But it's going to be a dilemma if they continue to win. And then if the coach comes back, I'm sure Matt Canada, though, in, in the back of his mind is saying, hey, this is D.J. Durkin's team. It's not mine. I go back to becoming the offensive coordinator and the quarterback coach. We're winning. That's all that counts. And we'll, let's just keep on winning. That'll be his mindset, I guarantee you. Well, I, I'm sure Terrapin fans uh, want there to be a conclusion to everything. And the work that D.J. Durkin has done, and, and again, Johnny, you have been in the booth calling the radio play-by-play for so long. Now you have seen the good the bad and the in-between of Maryland football. It just seems to me right now, after three years, he is so very close to having this program ready to compete at the upper levels of the Big Ten East. And I think that this would, this would probably be the year, too, Mike, that uh, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen this year because he's, he's recruited some great kids, and he, he basically looks at the Virginia, Maryland, D.C. area. And he said, you know, we've got so many good football players here. And if you look at the roster from top to bottom, it's 50% of it, I guarantee you, is from this local area. And he knows that there's good talent at home. He has convinced these kids this is where you want to come to school. You'll get a great education. And after you end your football playing days, if you don't go on to the next level, there are so many job opportunities in Washington, D.C., and Baltimore, and Annapolis. And you've got Under Armour here with Kevin Plank, a former Maryland linebacker, and the head and the founder of, of Under Armour. There's so many opportunities when you come to the University of Maryland. And he can go into a recruit's house. He can sell them on why they should come and play in College Park. And as I mentioned 
not one single recruit who's committed or thinking about next year has changed his mind about the situation here. He's a terrific, terrific recruiter and a young guy, and I think he could really relate to what they're trying to do here and what they're trying to build here. And if they want to be a part of something special, come on to College Park. Welcome. We'd love to have you at University of Maryland. Well, this Saturday, it's an early kick uh, here in uh, the Big House, uh, noon uh, Saturday. And plenty of questions uh, surrounding both teams. Are we going to see the Maryland play Texas or the Maryland play Temple? And for Michigan, is Michigan a contender or just a good football team? We're going to find out a lot of things on Saturday because uh, I think Maryland is going to be more than a stiff challenge for the Wolverines. So our guest today has been uh, the radio legend, play-by-play voice of Maryland football and basketball, Johnny Holiday. Johnny, we enjoy having you on the show each year. Mike, thank you very much. And as I mentioned, it's always a, a delight and a pleasure to visit with you guys. And just keep it going there, except when you play us. Quick Hits is next as we wrap it up for another week here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. On Quick Hits today, Wretched freshman corner Benjamin St. Just is done for the season. No details. Rashawn Gary and Chris Evans are both questionable. Other than that, we're in pretty good shape six weeks into the season. Here are a few game day facts. Michigan leads this series with six wins against one loss. The first meeting with Maryland was on September 28, 1985 in Ann Arbor, a 20-0 win for us. Last year, we won 35-10 in College Park on November 11th. DJ Durkin is still suspended, and Matt Canada is the interim head coach. DJ was 10-15 and 15 in his first two years as head man. They were 4-8 and eight overall last year, 2-7 and seven in the Big Ten. They return eight starters on offense and four on defense. They are a 17-point underdog heading into Saturday's game, which we all know is crazy. The weatherman says thunderstorms on Saturday morning, becoming more widespread in the afternoon, a very unseasonably warm 80 degrees with an 80% chance of rain, so let's hope that forecast changes. Next Saturday, Wisconsin comes to town, and it is our home night game this year. Kickoff on ABC is scheduled for 7.30 p.m. On Tuesday, we'll have our game day show, and our scheduled guest is John Jansen. On Thursday's visitors segment, we'll be joined by Badger radio voice Matt LaPay or beat writer Jason Galloway from the Wisconsin State Journal in Madison. They have a night game uh, this week with Nebraska, so everyone's busy, and we'll get whoever we can on the show next week. Once again, if you'll be at the game on Saturday, pack your rain gear. If you're watching the game at home or listening on the radio, enjoy. It should be a humdinger. That will do it for another week. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Have a great Wolverine weekend, everyone. Until we meet again, take care, think victory, and as always, go blue. Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. That's the Michigan Man Podcast at yahoo.com. 
The Michigan Man podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!